Live from Boca Raton, Florida, it's Open Line with Dr. Michael Rydelnik. Hello, friends. Welcome to Moody Radio's Bible Study Across America. I, I'm Michael Rydelnik. I'm the academic dean and professor of Jewish studies and Bible at Moody Bible Institute. Here we are in beautiful, sunny Florida with a live audience asking your questions about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life. Dr. William Washington, Moody's Dean of Student Life, and I are here speaking at a Stand with Israel conference sponsored by Chosen People Ministries, Crossbridge Church, and Moody Radio South Florida. I want to say a special thanks to Pastor Rob Taylor, who's allowing us to use this terrific facility the facilities at Crossbridge Church. Normally, we take your calls. So if you're listening and you're ready to dial in, don't do it today because our terrific, wonderful live audience, they are here. They're ready to ask the questions. I am sure they'll ask the very questions many of you have been thinking about, so don't worry. And if you can't uh, call today because uh, we're not taking calls, you can still get your question and Just go to our website, openlineradio.org. And when you go there, there's a link that says, Ask Michael a Question. You click on that, fill out the form, put your question in. Trish will put it in a mailbag for an upcoming week. So if you're desperate to get a question in today, that's the way to do it. I want to thank Trisha McMillan, our producer, for coming down out of how many snow inches? 10, 12 inches of snow. Uh, and she made it here to Florida. I left to Chicago. It was 10 below last week. I didn't mind coming to Florida. And uh, uh, so thank you, Trish. She's supervising, taking care of everything here, running the program. Also, Joel Swan and Chris Seagard are down for Moody uh, Radio. They're handling all things technical so that we can do a live broadcast away from our Chicago studio. So grateful that they're here. They've made the sacrifice of joining us in Florida and leaving Chicago. <laughs> it's just amazing thing to do. And uh, handling all technical aspects of the broadcast in the studio is Chris Papendick. Thanks, Chris, for joining us there. Well, as you're listening around the radio kitchen table, you're ready now. You have your Bible open. You have your cup of coffee. I've got my cup of coffee. And uh, we're ready to study the scriptures. So we're going to start with a question, right? Hello, my name is Veronica Chasen. I am 10 years old. Where's the garden now? Where's the garden now? Oh, that's a good question. Hey, <laughs> Veronica, is that your name? Mm-hmm. Veronica, what grade are you in? Um, fifth. Fifth grade. And, and do you have a favorite subject? Uh, not really. Not really? What's your best subject? <laughs> Math, probably. Math, probably. Well, if that's your best subject, I bet it's your favorite, isn't it? I mean, do you like going to math class? Not really. Not really. <laughs> do you like going to any school? Huh? Do you like going to school at all? I do homeschool. You do homeschool, so you don't even like going home, apparently. <laughs> Who's your main teacher at home? Um, my mom. Your mom. Where's your mom? I want to see her. Um, there she is. Okay. What's her best subject? <laughs> Math. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Okay. Well, go ahead. Uh, your question is, where's the Garden of Eden now? Mm-hmm. Uh, my backyard. <laughs> no. The, the reality is no one knows where the Garden of Eden was. The, uh, the very, there's some people who think it was in Babylon. I don't think so. Here's what I know when I look at the scriptures. And, uh, it mentions four rivers when God creates the garden. And a couple of those rivers, we don't know where they are. 
But what we do know is that God planted this garden, and when it gives the, the four rivers, verse, chapter 2, verse 11 of Genesis says, the name of the first is Pishon, don't know where that is, which flows to the entire land of Havilah. Don't remember where that was, no one knows. And then it says there's gold there. And then it says the second river is the Gihon, which flows through the entire land of Cush. That's in Africa, Ethiopia, Sudan, that area. The name of the third river is the Tigris, and the fourth is the Euphrates. So we know the Tigris-Euphrates is in Iraq. So what is between Africa and Iraq? Israel. The result is, I believe the land of Israel is where the Garden of Eden was. And so when you say, where is the garden today? It's around Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. <laughs> Which makes sense because when, when the Bible uh, talks about the renovation of the earth when Jesus reigns on the throne, what's going to be the center of the earth? Israel. And also, what will be the capital of the world? Jerusalem. So it, it makes sense that that's what will happen. Okay? Okay. Good. Thanks for your question. Really appreciate it. Okay. Uh, good morning. I'm Eunice Soto from Miami, Florida. My question is, Lot lived in fear. He did not trust God. He had little faith. And yet, in 2 Peter 2.7, it says Lot was a righteous man. What did God see in Lot that made him righteous in his eyes? That's a, a really good question. You know, you know Lot's the guy... I, I remember when we first got married, Eva and I were reading First, Second Peter out loud one day, and and uh, we saw that verse about righteous Lot, and Eva's like, "Righteous Lot, take my daughter." Remember that what he says when they knock on his door in Genesis 18, uh, when he's, no, "Just take my daughter." I mean, how is that righteous Lot? I don't believe he was intrinsically righteous just like I don't think you are, or I am. We do a lot of things wrong. But what the Bible teaches is that we've put our trust in Jesus, the Messiah, right? And the Bible teaches that God has applied his righteousness to us. That's what theologians call imputed righteousness. It's not righteousness that we earned. It's righteousness that comes by faith. That's how Romans 5 puts it. Now, even in the Old Testament, people weren't, in the Old Testament, when people were saved, it wasn't because they were works-oriented. It was because they were saved by grace through faith, just like you, just like me. People who were delivered by God and had their sins forgiven were the ones that trusted God, as bad as Lot was. And I can think of a lot of bad examples in my own life, things I've done wrong. And people who are publicly terrible examples of being followers of Jesus, but they have put their trust. Well, I believe Lot put his trust in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Abraham at the time. He believed in him, and even though he wasn't personally very righteous, he, was, he had imputed righteousness, and that was only possible because God, in the mind of God, he knew that one day Messiah, Jesus, would come, die, be raised again, and be able to impute righteousness to us. So that, when it talks about righteous lot, that's an encouragement to me. It is. Okay? I hope to you, too. Because which of us can say, I'm righteous enough to stand before God? None of us. But because we sin, but God is righteous and loving, 
he sent the Messiah Jesus to die for us and be raised again. And all we have to do is trust in him. Our sins will be forgiven. But that's not just that we experience his mercy and grace, but also he makes us righteous in, in, the, in the eyes of God. When God looks at us, he doesn't see us. He doesn't see our evil. He sees the righteousness of our Lord Jesus. Okay? Thank you. Mm-hmm. Hi, yes, I'm, I'm uh, Roger Carbonell from Boca Raton, Florida. Um, last night, I, I was definitely enlightened by the comments that you made regarding Stand, up for, stand for Israel. Mm-hmm. So in light of that, I have a question regarding that. Academia's response to the October 7th attack on Israel has been disturbing. I did not realize the amount of anti-Semitism that exists on, on our university campuses. How do we combat the growing level of anti-Semitism at our universities? Well, I, I actually was aware that there was a deep-seated anti-Semitism at our universities because it has been growing in our culture. In, I, th- I think it's interesting, this is really important for us to know, that on the fringes of both political sides, the fringe right wing and the fringe left wing, the only thing that they can agree about is that the Jews are the source of all the problems in the world. It's the ultimate conspiracy theory. And uh, the very radical progressive left has had an anti-Israel, anti-Jewish, and anti-Semitism is best understood as as hatred of the Jewish people. That has been deeply ingrained in the radical left, which has, and and the radical right, but the radical right hasn't taken over our universities, but the radical left has. So I was aware of that. I think that uh, it needs to be called out. I think that uh, one of the things that we can do, particularly with state universities, is I think it, it, there needs to be a much more balanced uh, source of academia. Today, I, I know that people who are not, I'm talking about people who are left-leaning but not radical left, mm-hmm. they guard their resumes, their curricula vitae. I'm not talking about Moody Bible Institute professors, but those who want to teach in secular universities, they have to guard their record so as not to give any evidence of being moderate in any way or they will never get a position teaching. And so I think that what schools need to do is to have not just greater diversity, I think there are schools that want diversity in ethnicity, but I think greater diversity in uh, ideology and ideas and thinking. And I think that schools, particularly our, we should demand our state schools do that as citizens. Another thing is donors in private schools ought to pull back their donations, just as William Ackman has done at Harvard, uh, to make sure there's greater diversity in perspective as as well. And and again, he is not a right-winger. He is a left, uh, he leans to the left, but he, he is not a radical. And so I think that there has to be greater ideological diversity in our universities. And whether we're citizens or voters, that's what we can do with academia. I think that's important that we speak up about that. And moreover, uh, I think we need to be aware that anti-Semitism is growing in the culture. And we need to be the ones that speak up against it. Even when there's little nuanced remarks that we hear, uh, those of us who love the Lord uh, need to remind people that uh, you're talking about the family of my Messiah. That's, that's what I would say. Great. Anyway, thank you so much. Okay. we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to have many, many more questions. So we have people lining up right now to ask their questions. If you're listening, don't call today, but keep listening because we're going to have plenty of questions 
from the, about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life. Stay with us. We're coming right back with more of Open Line with Michael Wright Elmer. having a great time here in South Florida. We're in Boca Raton. We are in the great triune area of cities uh, where my people live, the Jewish people, right? Uh, Boynton Beach, right? Delray Beach and Boca Raton, right? I, I grew up in New York and it was a law. If you turn 62, you must move <laughs> to one of those three towns. Uh, it's, it's a great Jewish area. Before we go, uh, we're going to talk with Jesse Carocchio, who is the station manager for WRMB, the Mo Moody Radio South Florida station. But before we do that, I want to tell you about our current resource. Uh, when I went to seminary, the very first course we had to take was called Bible Study Methods, and it was taught by Professor Howard Hendricks, a master teacher. And it opened our eyes to how to read the Bible in a way that gave us insight and understanding in a fresh and new way. It was the best course, and he made us laugh every day. It was so much fun to study with Prof. Hendricks. And one of the great things that happened is Prof. Hendricks then committed that course to writing. It's called Living by the Book. It's published by Moody Publishers, and it is a book that will change the way you read the scriptures. And that's our current resource. If, if you would like to see the Bible in a new and fresh way, that's the book to get. I want to encourage you uh, with a gift of any size, any amount, we are going to say thank you by sending you a copy of Prof. Hendricks' Living by the Book. If you'd like to give a gift and receive a copy of this wonderful resource, just go to openlineradio.org. You can give there or call 888 644 7122. Boy, my New York was coming out. Did you hear that? 644. <laughs> I don't know what happened. But anyway, hey, Jesse. Jesse Carocchio, station manager right here in South Florida, Moody Radio South Florida. Welcome. It is so good to be here, and it's really great to have you right here in Boca Raton. Well, I, you know what? I think when I look at the callers, we, we always see who calls from where. I think consistently, uh, People are calling from Moody Radio South Florida. I think it's my most devoted group of, stu of people. Uh, I was going to say students, but that's in, at Moody. But uh, pe callers, they call from here. They call from Cleveland, too. But that's because they've got nothing else to do because it's snowing. <laughs> but uh, but the, the truth of it is it's South Florida that, that loves open line. I'm so grateful. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we, we love the Jewish people. We love sharing the gospel every day on the air and being here to be able to help people take their next step in their walk with the Lord. And God's doing some really great things right here in South Florida. Yeah. And you're a part of that. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And, you know, I, I get to come on about once a month with uh, Eric and Bridget and uh, just do a special Bible Q&A with listeners here. That's always fun to do. Now, I, I mentioned that we're right here in the heart of where the largest Jewish community, New York is the largest Jewish community, but they've all moved here. Yeah. And we, my people, we love the, the sun, apparently. And we've got the kosher delis down here in Boca. We've got oh, everything yeah. we need, right? Now, but, you know, Moody Radio, it's obviously a Christian station. And yet, I hear from people all the time that they have a real sense of... Uh, appreciation and love for what Moody Radio does. And here you, 
Moody Radio is co-sponsoring this Stand with Israel event, I wanted to talk with you just how you, as station manager, see the relationship of Moody Radio with the Jewish community right here where you're based. Oh, absolutely. It's so important that we stand with Israel mm -hmm. and that we stand with the Jewish people. And, you know, as Christians, that's our heritage. We serve a Messiah who's Jewish. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's so much richness in the culture that speaks into our faith. And, you know, when I started looking at even, you know, the Bible from the Jewish perspective, man, it's just like lights start coming on. And there's so much uh, that we can learn from each other and standing together. Um, you know, we've got to. We're brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. Well, I, sh I so appreciate it, Jesse. And I just so appreciate you letting me be on the air once a month with, with Eric and and uh, Bridget, and also thank you so much for joining us for a few minutes. I've got to get back and get some more questions, but I did want to introduce everyone to you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Great. Thanks. Good morning, Dr. Rodelnik. I have a question. Well, that's impressive, what? Dr. Rodelnik. Michael's fine. It's okay. Okay. Good morning, Michael. <laughs> uh, I'm curious to, to know whether you think this particular conflict right now in Gaza is leading to the, the Ezekiel War mentioned in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 38, 38, 39. Yeah. Uh, I am not a prophet, nor am I the son of a prophet, so I, I don't know. What I do see when I look at this is that every time, well, and I've been around a little bit now, I'm not 39 quite anymore, so I've seen uh, numerous conflicts in the Middle East. Yeah. Two, you know, there's the Iraq War, the two Iraq Wars in my lifetime that the United States was in. Uh, Israel's had numerous conflicts. We know about this. And every time people say, is this it? Is this it? Well, I think the big change that happened was the rebirth of Israel with the rebirth of the Zionist movement. Mm -hmm. And that actually people think, oh, 1948 is when Israel was born. Really, modern Zionism is a mid-19th century movement. It was started by Gentile Christians in England in the 18th century, if you can believe it. It was called Christian rest, uh, Restorationism, and they wanted to see the restoration of the Jewish people to what was then called uh, uh, Turkish Palestine, hmm. and then uh, Ottoman Palestine. And then uh, afterwards, it was under the British mandate, but in the, in the late 19th century, Jewish people began to organize and move to the land of Israel. Uh, that continued, and then 1948, the state was reborn. Now, why is that significant? Because all the end time events include a reborn state of Israel, which people said, oh, that'll never happen, right? Ezekiel 37 said it would happen. Uh, Ezekiel 37, the vision of the dry bones, the bones come together and the flesh and the sinews, the sinews, flesh, uh, skin, and finally life. The last step is life. If you look at the old commentaries about that, they say this is about the resurrection of the dead at the end of days. But if you look at the text, it says these bones are the house of Israel. And what it says is that these bones are going to come alive again and God's going to bring the people back from all the lands where he scattered them. It's not about the resurrection of the dead at the end of life. It's about the rebirth of the state of Israel. Mm -hmm. And that was promised in Scripture. Uh, my old friend Martin Luther, you know, who... <laughs> <laughs> he was a little cynical about the Jewish people, let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, he wrote in one of his commentaries that we can't take these land promises to the Jewish people literally. 
and he said the reason is because that would mean that one day God would actually bring the Jewish people back to the land of Israel. And we know that will never happen. <laughs> Surprise! Yeah. Uh, it's happened. And so I think the, the real key that sets it up, why we keep saying, is this it? Is this it? Is because the state of Israel has been reborn. Because mm. that's what all these events that you read about at the end of days take place with Israel and, and the nations surrounding her. And uh, I do see one thing about this, and it's been growing, it, but this just shows it. What has happened with Hamas, instead of bringing sympathy to Israel, has immediately brought malice and hatred toward Israel. And it says in the book of Zechariah that at the end of days, God's going to gather all nations against Jerusalem, that the nations will rise up. Not God's going to come and deliver Israel at that time, mm -hmm. but that, that all nations will gather mm -hmm. in the sovereign plan of God against Israel so that Israel will finally look to, to her Messiah. And if, you know, there were people that say, well, Israel was reborn, the nations voted for it, that's not going to happen. Hello? Do, do we think it's possible that all nations will gather against Jerusalem? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does seem that way. So I'm just concerned that there's been an alliance between those nations that are mentioned, and mm -hmm. then they're gathering in the north, yeah. in Syria, and that's supposed to be where they invade. So. Well, well there, I would just say, maybe. <laughs> okay. Don't know. Here's, okay. I, there's a lot about the Ezekiel 38-39 battle described there. It, the nations involved are the former stand states of the former Soviet Union, the, the stand states of the former Soviet Union, Eastern Turkey, uh, Sudan, Libya, uh, and also uh, uh, I'm to, Persia, obviously Iran. So you could see a lot, a lot of those nations. They're all Islamic states. You could see an invasion happening, although. Some people think it will happen before future tribulation begins. There's going to be a, a seven-year, very serious time of tribulation on the earth, the Bible mm -hmm. teaches. Yeah. Some people see it in the middle of that yeah. time. I'm one of those in the middle of that time people. I could be wrong, but okay. that's when it is. So that's why I don't think this is the setup. It may be a setup for it, yeah. but it's not going to imminently happen. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Great. Okay. Thank you. Hi, thank you. My name is Josephine from West Palm Beach. And I have a question concerning Isaiah 14, verse 25, um, which says, I will crush the Assyrian in my land. On my mountains, I will trample him down. His yoke will be taken from my people and his burden removed from their shoulders. So according to this verse, does that indicate the future identity of the Antichrist, since the whole chapter is dealing with Satan, his original downfall, then his future uh, it, defeat and downfall and obliteration. Yeah. So does that, because it doesn't say Assyrians, it says Assyrian, singular, could it be speaking of the future Antichrist? Okay, the future false messiah. Right. right? Uh, well, first of all, I don't think the whole chapter is about Satan. Uh, in chapter 14, you've got the downfall of the king of Babylon, and then there's one paragraph where it speaks about the power behind the king of Babylon, which describes the morning star, right. and that's Satan. But it's, not, it's really about Babylon, mm -hmm. and the ultimate, that, that though Babylon is oppressing Israel, one of the nations that will oppress Israel, 
uh, God will bring them down, mm-hmm. okay? And then the, the previous nation that oppressed uh, uh, that oppressed the northern kingdom of Israel was Assyria. And so I've got this little trick of Bible interpretation. Are you ready? If the plain sense makes sense, seek no other sense. And so when it says Assyria, it's talking about Assyria. And it's not talking about the Antichrist or anything like that. It's just saying that God will bring Assyria down just like uh, in uh, the next paragraph it says that there's an oracle against Philistia, the, the coastal region that had been at war with, with Judea, Judah for, mm-hmm. for generations, there, that they would, be, they would come to their downfall as well. So what's the point? When it says Babylon, Assyria, Philistia, it means Babylon, Assyria, Philistia. But no doubt, mm-hmm. in verses 12 through 15, when it talks about the king of Babylon, all of a sudden it goes back and it talks about where did this Babylon, Babylonian king get this uh, evil nature? Because he was empowered by, the, by Satan. Uh, and he said, I will ascend to the heavens. I will set up my throne above the stars of God and so forth. But then it says, but you, even Satan, will be brought down to Sheol into the deepest regions of the pit. So, okay. Thank you. Thank you for that great question. We've got more questions coming up, so don't go away. You're listening to Open Line with Michael Rydelnik. Stay with us. More questions straight ahead. I'm Michael Ray Delnick, and here I am in South Florida. We're having a great time with a live audience at the Stand with Israel conference. It's just, uh, I'm, I'm just having a blast, and it's so nice and warm here. And <laughs> what I think is so funny is all you Floridians are telling me, oh, it's cold this morning. <laughs> what was it, 60? <laughs> Good night. Wow, I'm telling you. In Chicago last week, it was 10 below. I think it must be around like that today as well. It's, I'm not even checking the weather in Chicago. I'm so glad to be here. It's fun to be in the warmth of, of Florida. Uh, of course, I only come in, in January or February. That's, that's the rule. Anyway, uh, we're going to get right back to questions in a moment, but I did want to introduce, let's see, is it, is it the most loyal listener to Open Line, Oni Bernardini is... I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> now, how long have you been listening to Open Line? Oh, seven, about seven years. Yeah, and now the thing is you've written to us a lot of times about the impact that Open Line has had, which I'm always amazed. amazed. So tell me what it is that Open Line has done for you. I, I've always been a believer. I just knew that Jesus was there. He was just always there from mm-hmm. when I was a little girl. I... God was mysterious, but Jesus was there, just like my aunt and uncle who lived in New York. I never saw them, but they were there, mm-hmm. and that's how I felt about Jesus. I always had questions. I asked, I prayed, I went to church, but when I found you on Open Line, you started to 
explain everything. And I was like, this is what I've been looking for. Oh, I'm so glad. So you saved, you saved my life. You <laughs> well, changed no, my didn't. life. But I'm really glad that you were listening. Now, uh, the impact of that, and this is one of the things that made me the most happy, because I tell people very often when they ask questions, they'll say, uh, I'll say, you know what? You really need to be in a congregation. You need to be in a local community because uh, there are things that, you know, that just the guy on the radio can't answer for you. You need to be in community. How did that affect you? Well, because you kept saying that, I did find a congregation. I found a church near my home, uh -huh. um, and that has helped quite a bit. But and and you, I saw... You're the, still the best. You, you know, but you were <laughs> baptized, I saw. I saw the I pictures of it. I was baptized. And then you were part of a home group, and it's, it's just... Everything. I'm, I just didn't know that it was an option to, to have Jesus in your life. I really didn't. I just figured he was there for everyone. And, yeah. he, was and in the, he was in your future, not your present, right? And now I, he he was always there. Yeah. He was just always there. But yeah. I did not understand how you needed to ask for forgiveness, ask for him to be your savior. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I'm so nervous. My, sh my voice don't, is don't shaking. Don't be nervous. Literally. You're doing so great. <laughs> and and I, here's the thing. Now, this is the really important. No, that, that, well, that was the most important. But I did want, one of the things you wrote to us, uh, to Trisha and me, a few uh, months ago is that you became a kitchen table partner. Yes. And uh, now a kitchen table partner, if anyone's listening, is people who commit to give little or a lot, doesn't matter, monthly, and to pray for us monthly and to be part of sort of the, the open line family. And I, I send out every other week a Bible study moment that's just a little five or ten minute uh, Bible study that I've put together putting together one for the next seven uh, Bible study moments, by the way. We started, recorded the first one today of William Washington and I talking about why Christians should stand with Israel. So that's going to be a fun Bible study moment if you are a kitchen table partner. But uh, what, what was it that motivated you so much to want to be a kitchen table partner? I mean, you're, you're not Rothschild, you're not Rockefeller, but you, you <laughs> did want to you did want to help with that, so what was I that? I did. Well, I, I listened to your show every Saturday. I looked forward to it, and I just I couldn't imagine not being one. I mean, I wanted to be a part of it to show others and, and to spread the word and Great. support you. Well, thank you so much. I have to say, you know, I consider everyone that listens are part of our family, but these are the, uh, the really special family members who uh, will, will commit to pray and give monthly to open line. I really appreciate it. I want to say thank you personally to Oni. Uh, thank you so much for being so brave to talk on the radio with us. I really appreciate it. Thanks. And uh, also, if you're interested in becoming a kitchen table partner because you want to be like Oni, and everyone wants to be like Oni, right? Uh, <laughs> if you want to become like Oni and be a kitchen table partner, all you have to do is call 888-644-7122 or you can go to openlineradio.org. And again, thanks a lot, Oni. Hi, I'm Nancy from Boynton Beach, and this is my question. In Matthew 24, 15, Jesus speaks of the abomination of desolation. And then in Daniel 11:31, we read, forces will arise and will desecrate the sanctuary and do away with regular sacrifices and set up the abomination of desolation. What exactly is that? The abomination of desolation. It sounds terrible, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It is. Uh, the basic idea of the abomination of desolation is about midway. Well, there's, there's Daniel 9, 24 through 27, speaks about 70 weeks in Israel's, 70 set periods of seven years in Israel's history. The 70th week is yet future. And that's a seven year period that uh, people call the tribulation. 
Daniel's 70th week, seven-year period. And in the middle of that seven-year period, there's going to be a future false messiah who will demand, the Bible teaches that there will be a temple rebuilt and he's going to demand worship and receive, wants to receive worship from everyone and he will set himself up as a false messiah to receive worship in the Jerusalem temple that will be rebuilt. That's the abomination of desolation. And uh, it's, it's uh, a lot of people think, oh, this is the Jewish people, they want this. No, they don't. And as a result of him claiming to be the Messiah and the nation of Israel rejecting him, he will turn his forces and persecute the Jewish people as never before. Uh, and so it, it's, it's not that the Jewish people embrace this or like it, they resist it and it causes great persecution. And ultimately, at the end of the three and a half years, the persecution is so intense that they will call upon Jesus the Messiah to deliver them. And, uh, and that's when the Lord returns. But here's a, a description in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It says, don't let anyone deceive you in any way about the day of the Lord, because that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. That's the future false messiah, the, the son of destruction. This is what it says about him. He opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he sits in God's sanctuary publicizing that he himself is God. Hmm. That is the abomination of desolation. Okay? Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yes? Hi, I'm Lisa Evans from Boca Raton, Florida. First, thank you for your faithfulness to the scriptures, to the word of God. Thank you. And to um, a shout out from uh, Messianic Rabbi Ira Brower. Ira Brower. Hey. And his congregation, hey, Shalom Boca. <laughs> he's, uh, he's probably in services right now. He, he doesn't hear me. Okay. And it's a congregational annual meeting today. So okay. <laughs> his apologies. Uh, my question is, are there any Old Testament prophecies that were meant for the church that are not meant for nation Israel? Oh. You could just say no or, uh, <laughs> or yes. Or no. Well, in Ephesians chapter 3, uh, it talks about, well, chapter 2, 11 through 22 speaks about this new man that God is creating that never existed before of Jew and Gentile united, not not losing their identity, but being united in one body. And then chapter 3 of Ephesians talks about this mystery of the Jews and Gentiles by faith becoming united in the Messiah, okay, in Messiah Jesus. And then it says, uh, uh, it says in verse 5, this idea of the mystery of the Messiah, of gathering Jew and Gentile, it says, this was not made known to people in other generations as it is now revealed by his holy apostles and prophets. That's talking about New Testament prophets. So the whole idea of the one new man, the body of Messiah, the church, did not exist in the Old Testament. So there's no prophecies of the church because it is an entirely new revelation that came about with the apostles and prophets of the New Testament. And so I would say, no, there are no prophecies. Now, there are prophecies that uh, 
some would say kind of apply. And what that means is the prophets did look to a day when even the Gentile nations would know the Lord. But it did never, it ne they never prophesied this one new man. Uh, what they did prophesy is when the nations came to the Lord that Israel would be the head and the nations would follow Israel. Ten men from every nation would gather, uh, touch the garment of a Jew and say, let us go with you for God is in your midst. And, and these kinds of things, that's Zechariah 8.23. But the point of it is that the prophets foresaw a day when the Gentiles would know the Lord, but they didn't foresee the one new man, the, 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 the ecclesia, the church, as, as we know it. Okay? Wonderful. Good, Answer. thanks. We're going to take a break here, and when we do, uh, you're going to have a moment and then come back, so keep on listening. We're going to have uh, more questions. Not only do we have one more segment in this hour, but we have a whole second hour of questions, so stick with us. You're listening to Open Line with Michael Radonik live from Boca Raton, Florida. Open line. Here we are in Boca Raton, Florida, having a great time with the warm weather and the lovely people, and we're just a live audience. We're doing, we're just having a great time. Uh, before we do anything else, I do want to mention that normally last segment we would have had the FEBC mailbag, but I've got too many people here. We couldn't waste time with a mailbag. But I so appreciate Far Eastern Broadcast Company's partnership with Open Line, and they sponsor that mailbag and they are great friends they're doing so much to reach people around the world i want to encourage you to check out their podcast called until all i have heard the best way to find that is to go to febc.org febc.org and also chosen people ministries is co-sponsor of this conference and at the outset of the year i think it's good to remember god's priority of reaching jewish people with the good news of messiah jesus and that's okay. that's okay. And that's why Chosen People Ministries is offering a free booklet to the open line audience called To the Jew First in the 21st Century, written by Dr. Al Mohler. It's taken right from the Bible. Dr. Mohler reminds us of what we need to know about Israel, the Jewish people, and outreach to our Jewish friends and neighbors. For your free copy, just go to the Open Line Radio website. That's openlineradio.org. Scroll down, you'll see a link that says a free gift from Chosen People Ministries. Click on that, and you'll be taken to a page where you can sign up for your own free copy of To the Jew First in the 21st Century. And now I'm joined by Pastor Rob Taylor, pastor of Crossbridge Church, where we're at. And thank you so much for hosting us here. It is pastor our Rob. honor. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here. So this is, this is not our first time together, you know, right, right. You, you've hosted conferences before, we've had open line here, but here's the thing, this is a pretty unusual time to have a Stand With Israel conference. Uh, I mean, that's, that's sort of going against the grain of what the world is saying right now, and I'm wondering why, you're not Jewish, right? I am Gentile. I know that. Yeah. Why would you do a Stand With Israel conference? Well, thank you for asking, it's a great question. Um, I'll mention this. This is what I said in an interview the other day on WRMB. Mm -hmm. I always like to put something in a biblical context. So in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 14, when Saul was kind of leading the army from a perspective of fear, 
his son Jonathan decides on his own to go take on the Philistine garrison. And, you know, all odds were against him, all this sort of thing. And at that juncture, he was just hearing and being obedient by faith to God's call on his life. And in that, he, he brought along his armor bearer. So I see Crossbridge Church, as it were, as the armor bearer. And we, we, we partner on a regular basis with Chosen People Ministries. We're so excited to do that, especially here in South Florida. And so when Jonathan relayed this idea to his armor bearer, he said, wherever your heart desires to go, I will follow. And we want to be on the right side of history. Mm. And so I see Crossbridge Church as a support. We want to be on the right side of history, and we want to reach our community with the gospel of Jesus. Mm. So glad. And uh, now, I'm guessing that uh, you wouldn't mind if anyone who in the South Florida area, and if they don't have a home congregation, you wouldn't mind if they would come visit Crossbridge Church? Always welcome to come visit Crossbridge Church. Okay, it's in Boca Raton, and and tell us what time services are on Sundays. We have two services on Sunday morning. One is at 9.30 in Portuguese, translated in English, and then one at 11, uh, translated in Portuguese, Spanish, all of that sort of thing. But it's it's in English. 11 o'clock. You preach at 11 o'clock. I preach at 11 o'clock. Yeah, that's that's the English. uh, you, You don't preach in Portuguese, do you? Well, I do when I have a translator. Okay, there we go. <laughs> and tomorrow, Dr. William Washington will be preaching Absolutely. at, at uh, Crossbridge. So don't miss that if you're in the area, even as a special visit. Thank you so much, Rob, for joining us. Absolutely. By the way, D- Dr. Adelnik, the reason we invited you back is you're so handsome on the radio. Oh, there we, I am. We, That's we, true. Yeah, had, I agree. Yeah. On the radio, I'm also young, yep. tall, and I have a lot of hair. That's, That's <laughs> me on the radio. God bless you. Okay, thanks. Oh, my. Go ahead. Okay, good morning, Michael. How are you today? Great. Uh, I just want to thank you for all that you do in bringing the, the, the explanation of the truth of God's Word. This is the, the third open line live that oh, I've had the privilege to attend, so thank you so much. My name is Bob Zuccaro. I, I'm a member here of uh, Crossbridge Church, and I live here in Boca Raton. My question is, if, can you explain the contrast where in the Old Testament in uh, Jeremiah it says if you... God says, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. And then in the New Testament, it tells us how Jesus comes not to condemn the world, but to seek and save the lost. Mm -hmm. So if you could explain the contrast as to who's doing the seeking in the salvation. It's so interesting. In in Romans 1, and I don't think he's contradicting, uh, but complimenting the words of Jeremiah. But in Romans chapter 1, uh, he quotes the Psalms, and in that verse in Romans 1, he says, or I'm sorry, Romans 3, he says, no one seeks God. That's Romans 3, 11. Uh, there is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. Yet Jeremiah says, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you search me with all your heart. What that tells me is there's no one who seeks God in and of themselves. That They would never, ever seek God but God opens people's hearts. He draws them. Uh, he makes them seek him. It, it takes not just divine enablement. You know, God's not just in charge of saving us, but he's in charge of opening our hearts to seek him. So Jeremiah says, if you seek me, you'll find me. Why? Because God's going to open your heart. So that's why I pray for people 
who are seeming callous to the Lord, who are not seeking God, I pray that God would open their hearts so that they would seek him. That's the first step. And then the reason God opens people's hearts is because the Messiah came to seek and to save. When do we open our hearts? When the Messiah starts looking for us. That's <laughs> One time, I would say, about 52 years ago, the Lord started to seek after Michael Radelnik. And uh, I didn't want him. I was running away as best I could. But he's the one that turned my heart so that I would be open to him. Uh, it's what, the, what theologians call efficacious grace, divine enablement so that I could seek. And, and that's what the Bible's teaching. Okay? When, he re, when he removes the scales from our eyes. Yeah. Right? yeah. Sometimes, blind, sometimes he seeks us with a pop over the head like yeah. the Apostle Paul, you know. That's, <laughs> yo. That's All it. right. Thank you, okay. sir. Thank you. Good morning, Michael. How are you? Great, thanks. Go ahead. Good, thank you. Um, very quickly, would you please elaborate on how the perfect Son of God from Hebrews 5, 8, and 9 was made perfect in the NIV translation mm -hmm. and also in, uh, later on in chapter 12? It talks about us being made perfect yeah. as well. Uh, what it means is he confirmed his perfection mm. experientially. You know, it's one thing to say, I am perfect, but then under testing, under fire to be perfect, that's what it means. He was, like I, I, the example I give, my mom used to boast all the time, she had a perfect driving record, she never got a ticket. Of course, she never ha got a license either, and she never drove. <laughs> so that perfection wasn't quite the same as someone who drove for 50 years and never got a ticket. And so the, uh, the perfecting of the Son of God was that he was perfected because not just was he tempted by the enemy and perfected there when he resisted that temptation, but he was perfected at the cross. Mm -hmm. He was perfected when he could have stepped off and said, you know, this just isn't worth it. But the Lord Jesus said, no, no man takes my life, but I lay it down freely. And he could have called 10,000 angels, we know, but he didn't. Mm -hmm. But he was willing to die for me and he was willing to die for you, and then he was raised again and uh, offers us salvation if we trust in him. So the point is, that's how he was perfected under fire, okay? Okay, well, thanks for that, and we're going to take a, a little break between two hours right now. Thanks for listening, everyone. That's the first hour. Keep listening. The second hour coming up straight ahead right here from Boca Raton. During the break, check out our webpage, openlineradio.org. It's got all the links you're looking for whether it's uh, our current resource, how to become a kitchen table partner, get the chosen people resource, whatever you're looking for, our Bible study across America will continue in just a moment. Open Line with Dr. Michael Rydelnik is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.